We are on a mission. A mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast, you'll get actionable business advice. Hear stories from industry leaders. And share a laugh or two with us. Fuel your passion for pharmacy. One conversation at a time. Four. Three. Two. One. Ignition. Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Key, president of Pioneer X. And today I'm here with Marsha. Hi, I'm Marsha Bivens, director of marketing for Pioneer X. Today we're here with Melanie Maxwell, president of the new Align RX. And we're super excited to learn more about that. I was asking this morning how, uh, how you came in as an idea for the podcast. And I think it was um, Tim Mitchell that uh, yes. uh, a very uh, cool guy. Uh, recommended you so that 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 comes with a huge endorsement well that could be good or that could be bad we'll we'll see yeah i know that's <laughs> kind of landed you on the podcast yeah. today so it must be good it must be great yes no tim's a wonderful wonderful gentleman uh have really uh, enjoyed getting to know him over the last couple of years uh and so yeah no i was happy happy to jump in and and talk about align rx and all of the fun things that we're doing right now for community pharmacy and uh, yeah, just excited to be here this morning. So thank you for thank you for having me. I guess just a super simple. Uh, tell us about you. How, tell us kind of about your life and how you got started in this that, that took you all the way to where you are today. Oh, so we're skipping business, business and going straight to personal, personal. I, I, I'm curious, curious, <laughs> curious. So I, 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 don't, I don't know. So I just. Well, I am a native Oklahoman. Okay. I was, uh, Born and raised here in uh, Bixby, Oklahoma, actually, go Spartans, uh, and uh, got started actually in pharmacy uh, quite by accident. I was in the employee benefits sector living in Charlotte, North Carolina, nice when place. Um, both of my parents uh, got ill, and uh, as with most, when you have that situation, you come home okay. and you mm-hmm. do what you got to do to take care of family, and so when I came back to Oklahoma... Um, I, uh, got a job at the corporate offices of May's drugstores. And that's really where my pharmacy career began back in 1991. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, I got exposed to, and that was back when third party reimbursement was maybe 25 to 30% right. of total revenue. So where and, was, um, tell us about for those not in Oklahoma, May's drugstore, what was that a single store? Do they have multiple stores throughout the state? What was um, when I uh, went to work for Mays, they had 30, uh, 35 stores. Okay. Uh, and then Mays drugstores actually over the years grew uh, significantly and then was uh, sold to the USA drugstore chain. Okay. Which then subsequently was sold to Walgreens. Okay. So all of, all of that uh, over the course of probably 15 years or so. Um, but it was a, it was a local, uh, re, a local chain, mm-hmm. 35 mm-hmm. locations all over Oklahoma. Uh, and they were maze drug and drug warehouse. Uh, that was the, the store name that the nice. community would. And what did you do for maze? At that time I did third party contracting and point of sale technologies. And so 
I was uh, working with the IT guy uh, there to um, focus on how, how to make claims reconciliation a little bit easier and smoother. And, and I actually created the first uh, pharmacy IT help desk. So okay. the uh, pharmacists and pharmacy technicians that were running into problems uh, getting claims to transmit. And, uh, you know, like I said, this, you know, this was back when right. you know, third parties were a small Just piece of started. your business and it was more an irritation than anything. Right. And so I created a, a corporate based help desk for those folks to have resources to call in and figure out how to get claims to transmit correctly. Nice. Uh, did a lot of work with, uh, the switch, uh, entity, uh, uh now known as, uh, MDion. um, Back when uh, back in the '90s, it was uh, known as a different name. Uh, but you know, getting into just the telecommunication standards and trying to learn what um, you know what's required to get a claim to successfully transmit and all of those things. I really that's where I cut my teeth in, in pharmacy, getting to know that side of it. Uh, and so I I did a little bit of third party contracting um, back when you know they would pay you AWP plus. And, uh, that's, that's really where it got started. It was, it was very natural. Um, yeah, I was at, uh, Montana family pharmacy this last, uh, ended last week and met the guy who was CEO of MDON when it went public, George Lazenby. I don't guess you knew George from back then. I did not. Super, no. super nice guy. Very smart. Uh, yeah. he runs, uh, he started a company order insight that he has today, which is, oh, yeah. A, uh, yeah. along with Mark Lyle, who started uh, ERX. They have bought yes. together. So super interesting guy, a lot of interesting history. You know, you run into some of these people who've been in pharmacy forever and you just feel little, <laughs> you just, you just feel, <laughs> just, just, just feel little in the stories they uh-huh. tell. And, and even I, I wasn't in pharmacy in 91. Um, yeah. so super interesting. All right. So, so Maze Drug, um, did yeah. you stay with them when they went to USA Drug or was that time to move along? No, actually, um, before the USA drug uh, acquisition uh, occurred, I was given an opportunity um, because of what I was doing at Mays Drugstores and doing some third-party contracting, and um, I was just in the right place at the right time. Um, Mays Drugstores wanted to get into a business relationship with a local uh, managed care company here in Oklahoma. So there was a company called Community Care HMO. Okay. And it uh, in 1995, I left Mays and went to work for the HMO to take over um, pharmacy programs and uh, credentialing of, of all things. So um, Mays Drugstores actually ha- had the network for the HMO under a capitated pharmacy arrangement. Okay. And so I literally learned ground up from pharmacy financing perspective, what is capitation? How does it work? How do you manage it properly? Um, and how do you do that with, with a carve out network? Um, and then, uh, when I went to work for, for community care, I spent 14 years at community care wow, and, wow. and went from, you know, managing, uh, pharmacy programs and credentialing to, um, you know, uh, being senior, uh, senior manager over pharmacy programs and ancillary services, uh, managed P&T committee, did the uh, financial uh, ver- uh, verification, validation of rebate deals between manufacturers and the PBMs. I was primarily responsible for the PBM relationship, auditing of pharmacy networks, 
um, and uh, development of patient education disease management programs. And so, you know, I got to meet and know a lot of great people in the industry from the pharma side uh, and really found unique ways to to manage pharmacy programs for population health uh, through, you know, through managed care. And then, you know, that little thing called Medicare Part D came along. Right. Mm -hmm. And I uh, built a Part D plan from ground up. Um, And uh, you started to feel small, starting to feel small. She's had her hands in everything. (laughs) She's she's developed pharmacy. (laughs) Yeah. And the unique perspectives and the challenges and all of those things, I just by nature uh, of my 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 personality, you know, I love problem solving. Um, the bigger, the harder, the more challenging, the You're nastier the, right the problem is, the the more fun I have engaging and trying to pull to the say, part. She's and, got like a, like, I have to organize it and fix it. She's like my spirit animal. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yes, very much so. <laughs> to, to, uh, and I have one of those, uh, those personality types that you either recognize what it is and, and, and love it and roll with it or, I will make you absolutely crazy because I ask a thousand questions and I have to know how things work uh, My before husband I calls can. It OCD. Yep. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yes. So where did where did community community care sold? Right? Didn't they sell it? Do they still exist? Community care still exists. It's the um, one of the premier plan uh, uh, HMO plans here in Oklahoma. When I uh, went to work for community care, they were owned by four hospital systems. Okay. They were um, and. After I left, then uh, St. John Health System was actually purchased by Ascension. And so um, it's now down to just uh, two health systems that own community care and that family of products, uh, the St. John Ascension Health System and the St. Francis Health System. Both of those are the premier hospital systems there in Tulsa. So uh, a lot of good people that work there uh, still have contacts, still provide services for uh, some of those those folks, and uh, you know, it, that's a really cool thing about pharmacy is the the people that are involved in this industry. I mean, you really do make lifetime friendships. Um, just very collaborative thinkers. Um, absolutely, patient care is first and foremost on their minds, and how to make it better for the patient. Um, and uh, I'm I'm just. I'm, I'm just excited that uh, they allowed me to stay in the profession, uh, even though I'm not a pharmacist. Um, they've embraced me uh, as as a thinker, a forward thinker, and a a fixer uh, of of problems. And so happy to be here. So from community care, you went to PPOK. Is that right? I did, and you know that's probably one of the funniest stories of of my career. Um, Lonnie Wilson, long long time mentor in the pharmacy profession. Um, he and I would negotiate contracts on opposite sides, right? HMO, you know, I needed a pharmacy network and Lonnie, uh, representing independent pharmacy in Oklahoma. So I spent years negotiating contracts with, with Lonnie Wilson against each other and, um, Medicare part D that, that whole program, the way it's built, the, the complexities, it can really take a lot out of a person. And so I was looking for um, something different. Um, I'd had enough of the managed care um, system, uh, the the challenges, the difficulties, where things were headed. Um, And so literally one day I called Lonnie up and said, 
I said, Lonnie, are you busy? And he said, well, I'm actually driving back from a board meeting. He was uh, on some interstate in Wisconsin, I believe. Go, Pat, go. Um, and so uh, he was uh, driving down the highway. And I said, well, what do you think about um, maybe me coming to work for you? And he, to his credit, he was always so very professional. He said, hmm, that's an interesting idea. Um, let me think about it. Uh, and I'll tell you what, when I get back from this trip, I'll call you and, and we'll, we'll, we'll explore it. And the way he told the story was he hung up the phone with me, turned and looked at Bob Greenwood, who was driving and said, I think hell just froze over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I was about to say, um, was that like the beginning of a, not just no, but a hell no, but politely said? <laughs> well, I think the idea intrigued him so much that, um, for, and I'm very thankful that it did. He, he literally hired me in. He said, I don't know what you're going to do, but let's, let's bring you over to PPOK and see what happens. And that uh, was January of 2010. Wow. And, we went from 360 roughly pharmacies, mostly in Oklahoma, uh, to uh, uh, when I left June 30th uh, to take over this position here at Align. Um, you know, we had 2,200 stores, wow. and so uh, developed out. And, and Lonnie, to his credit, he let me uh, he let me do what I do best: uh, look for problems and find solutions, and create programs and services to to improve the uh, lives of the pharmacists and clients that we take care of. And so, all right. So, so PPOK had a PSAO mm -hmm. and, and then yes. they, they split that part off and joined with Arite. Is that Arite? Correct. Arite. And then the, they put you in charge of that when they did that. Is that? They, yes. They asked me to lead the organization, um, what is now known as Align RX. Okay. And so we are, Right now, going through the process of uh, evaluating the programs that PPOK had to offer and evaluating the programs that RTA had to offer and finding those synergies and, and migrating, consolidating processes. And um, I think the community pharmacies are going to be very happy with the end result of what we're going to be able to provide to them uh, very, very shortly. So, Okay, and so uh, how new is that? How new is this uh this new Align RX. Yeah. I, uh, I became an, uh, the first Align RX employee on July 1st. Of and this year? Then, of this year. Oh, wow. Okay. And then August 1st, uh, we actually did the, the signing of the closing. So it, it became official August 1st. At, uh, pharmacies from both entities were uh, assigned into Align, and, and we went through the process of collaborating with the PBMs and getting those contracts assigned in. And so we have uh, just under 4,500 pharmacies right out of the gate. We're the largest PSAO in eight states, second largest PSAO in 12 additional states. So right out of the gate, we've got a wonderful footprint and a, a great group of pharmacy owners to uh, to represent and serve. Uh, and I, I feel very fortunate that uh, that uh, we, we get to do – the coolest thing possible, which is uh, provide those products and services so that pharmacists can do what they do best. Um, and community pharmacy, I've never been more proud than what uh, we have seen come through this pandemic uh, and the fact that community pharmacists are the absolute heroes frontline. And uh, I feel very, very blessed to have been part of the administrative support to 
to all of that. And yep. so, uh, all right. So, so wait a minute. So let, let's go back. You just all just kicked off a line. Do you feel smaller now that they're almost? I'm, I'm getting smaller. All, all they're they're practically like our size, but in a matter of like and two just months. Got kicked off, yeah, yeah. Because that would have been 2010s about the time Pioneer mm-hmm. started. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. Okay, so most of the PSAOs out there are associated with wholesalers. So Cardinal sure. has one, Amerisource has one, McKesson has one. Um, and so pretty much to be part of that, you have to be part of the wholesaler. So are there any catches? Can anybody join a line RX if you're an independent pharmacy and do you, uh, do you have to be part of PPOK or part of what, do, what's the rules to being part of your PSAO? Um, we have, our participation requirements are more around business structure, uh, ownership, uh, and, and quite honestly, disciplinary action. Um, we do not believe, uh, in making, uh, a, a, that solid connection between buy side and sell side. Uh, I, in fact, I believe quite the opposite. I think pharmacy owners absolutely have to be as flexible as possible, um, so that they can react quicker to changes in this market. This market moves very fast. And when changes happen, you need to be able to make appropriate business adjustments to keep your business thriving. Um, And when you lock down your PSAO to your buy side and you have to stay connected with both of those components, you might as well just hand your keys uh, to your pharmacy over to your wholesaler because they, they Mm -hmm. control you on both sides. And that is never a good business um, proposition. Uh, I, I believe very strongly that the PSAO side should be focused on administrative services, things like claims reconciliation, audit assistance, um, you know, contracting, performance, uh, patient programs, um, healthy business flow. Um, you know, I always smile when when new new pharmacists graduate from pharmacy school and they've got the bug and they want to own their own and they want to be an entrepreneur and and yet. Pharmacy schools are focused, as they should be, on patient care delivery and right. clinical mm-hmm. side and have very little uh, business Entrepreneurial. Uh, training yep. for these folks. And so the PSAO, I think, is uniquely positioned to truly help them become spectacular business owners. Um, and that's where the PSAO should be focused in, in the business side of pharmacy. By side, you need to be able to um, purchase products uh, from wholesalers without having to worry that changing wholesalers to get a better deal is going to interrupt and blow up your entire business side. Am it's I disadvantaged just, if I do that though? Do the, do they have structures like if I um if I use a different PSAO, let's say I'm a Marisource and I buy use a different PSAO than theirs, but still buy from them, am I disadvantaged in my purchases? Um, they tie any of those things together? I don't believe so. And the okay. reason I say that is because on the purchase side, you know, rebates and invoice price, it, it's a it, it's still a pricing game, right? At the end of the day, when uh, a wholesaler says you get your PSAO for free, when you really follow the money, it, right. it's, it's not free. They, they've taken a piece of rebate action to cover the cost to keep the PSAO running. So you're paying for it, whether you pay for it on the, the, you know, black and white invoice line, or you pay for it with loss of rebate that you're not even aware of. Right. And so 
transparency in this sector is so critically important and we are pushing for it for PBMs to be transparent. PSAOs should be transparent and wholesalers should be transparent. We need to fix this problem that we've created um, by allowing so many people in the middle of the the distribution channel um, Mm -hmm. that really are not providing more value, only more cost. I firmly believe that if if the pricing um, structures were more transparent, and I'm not saying everybody has to know what the you know actual price of the drugs are. What I'm saying is the process of buying, the process of of how the wholesaler works, how rebates work, not what the amount is, but how they work, and then how did how did the PBMs come in and sit on top of that relationship? Um, and and really, it's that PBM wholesaler PBM drug manufacturer relationship that has has gotten so um, so far out of what should be reasonable driving up costs. I mean, mm-hmm. insulin, that product alone, if you did a yep. case study on insulin pricing, you would see how very uh, criminal, honestly, that, that whole pricing game uh, developed. And pharmacies are still, we're an absolute critical piece of the distribution channel but yet we have no control over the prices. We are um, we negotiate the best deals we can, but it's still a volume game. And yep. and when you've got a PBM that owns its own distribution negotiating with the same wholesalers that are negotiating with the pharmacies, also buying from them, and the PBMs are setting the sales price, we have got um, the best example of an economic oligopsony. Um, ever known. Um, I mean, this is a, a perfect um, sector to to get some economists involved to ex- explore this and, and literally, I mean, you could write a textbook on oligopsony just based off of our industry alone. And, you know, oligopsony, just very simply, when the, the um, seller of the product or when the buyer of the product sets the sales price, that control mm-hmm. is really what we're talking about. And, um, you know, it's having that PSAO contract tied to the wholesaler contract just strengthens that hidden control over, uh, over pricing. Um, and how, I guess my question would be, how are you harmed by pulling those two apart if when you look at when they're together, the sales price is still not uh, robust enough to cover your costs. Right. We would we would not have such a public outcry of you're putting my pharmacy out of business. Mm-hmm. You're controlling competition. You've you are mandating and directing patients instead of allowing uh, free market choice. And in that process, the wholesaler that I use is selling drugs to the same entity that's stealing my patients. Mm-hmm. And so, is there in my eyes, it's is there some other deal going on that we need to be really examining right. to to find out if that contractual relationship is is appropriate? So, are there other independent? So, so really, in 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 my mind, I see this. This is a kind of an independent PSAO, right? Absolutely. And and so, Absolutely. are there other independent PSAOs? There there are. Okay. Um, there there's smaller um, and more regionally focused. Uh, I believe Pharmacy First is uh, is an independent PSAO. Okay. Um, 
Epic uh, used to be, but they do have a buy side control that uh, I believe now okay. is uh, firmly in that Health Mart Atlas McKesson uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that relationship is going to change. Um, but, uh, you know, Align RX, we are the largest independent PSAO and believe very strongly in that freedom of choice. Um, and we're the programs, products, services that we are bringing to the market are done so with that freedom of choice in mind. Um, you know, the contracts I have with my pharmacies, you know, have a short termination clause in them. So I have to literally do something to earn their business every day. Right. Um, and, and that to me is, is accountability. And I welcome that. Um, because I, I absolutely can assure you that the programs and services that we put out there, the way we treat our pharmacy clients, we will always put them first. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe very strongly in that. The second thing uh, that differentiates Align RX in this market is the fact that we are a public benefit LLC. And that truly means we have to put our money where our mouth is and the decisions that we make to run this organization um, have to be done so with the benefit of the community pharmacist first and foremost. I believe very strongly in that. And so those those really are the two key differentiators shows, for Align. It shows that this, that this is your passion and independent pharmacy is your passion. It shows. Yes. What yes. Uh, um, Any innovations coming? I, I guess right now you're starting to negotiate next year's contracts with the PBMs, right? Yeah. Is that, or is this too early? Is it, are we in the middle of it? What's the, what's going on? That was a little teaser grin. That's it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I can tell you is that most PM, PBM agreements are, are negotiated for future years. Okay. Uh, so Multi-year. the contracts that we uh, were assigned in and now have um, responsibility for were already set for 2022. Okay. So I've got in uh, Medicare Part D, all of that contracting actually occurs in the spring each year. So those contracts are, for the most part, um, final and set for 2022, um, which good and bad. We're not going to have an immediate impact to uh, reimbursement or to contracting strategy, but I actually see that as more of a benefit because that gives me time to analyze the market, analyze our footprint, and really find ways to um, create contracting networks that are uh, custom custom built to the pharmacy owner. We still have in the independent sector, a wide plethora of business um, need. You have some pharmacy owners that are in highly competitive areas that need access uh, more than anything else. The problem is that when you have to have access, that forces you to have to sign contract rates that are underwater just so that you continue to get those patients coming in your door. There are other pharmacies, though, who are maybe not quite in, in such a competitive market or who have uh, decided that even though it is competitive, I still want to maintain a certain level of reimbursement so that my pharmacy thrives, not just survives or uh, I'm continually worried about it going out of business. And so we're seeing a change in mindset. Um, I don't believe in signing all contracts, never have. Right. Um, I, I also don't believe that rates are the only thing you look at when you're negotiating a contract. And so I want to take time to actually review the you know rights, responsibilities, obligations, the language 
in each of these contracts, the provider manuals that uh, are hidden contracts uh, with these relationships and, and try to figure out, okay, what should community pharmacy look like? What should their rights and responsibilities look like? What should they be fairly compensated for? Um, and I don't believe that allowing PBMs to continue to dictate that they're going to force more and more clinical service for no additional revenue is the proper thing to do. Yeah, I think um, I think it, we're at a critical crossroads. We need to make sure that we are um, making smart business choices for community pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, when you're talking about managing and um, administering network level programs, the decisions you make are probably going to be great for 80% of the pharmacies in your network. And you're still going to have outliers right. um, that, that you need to figure out how to, how to accommodate. And so, you know, I, I think that we accomplished that uh, a little different than way the, the current market is, is handling that. So, so um, Steve Lawrence, who is one of our board members, um, when he was over sales for Cardinal, was a big proponent of less PSAOs, trying to merge. He was doing a lot of background efforts of trying to to merge PSOs, PSAOs together to get less PSAOs. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Do you think we need to merge some more? You, you guys merged two of them. Do you think there needs to be more mergers in PSAOs? Uh, I, I believe that we need to streamline PSAO service, yes. Um as with anything, competition drives uh, improved service delivery and price. And so what I want to do is make sure that the PSAO that, that we are building through Align RX is the right choice and attractive to community pharmacies um, from you know, across the country. Do I think that companies need to merge? Um, I think Naturally, some of the smaller ones are going to uh, need uh, a little bit stronger partners to work with. So, right. yeah, I still think that some of that will will occur. Um, you know, the challenge is the three biggest wholesalers or the three biggest PSAOs are wholesaler owned. Right. How are you going to effectively merge that uh, kind of entity? Uh, you know, and that's that's a big, big challenge. And you have to do it in a way, again, because I believe very strongly that PSAOs should be independent from wholesaler decisions. It, it's got to be buy side fo- or buy side focus needs to be completely separate from sell side focus. How do you do that when the three wholesalers would have to literally give up control over some of the contracting decisions made? Right. Um, and you know, if they can, perfect. Let's create a now. Is a super PSAO the right way to go? I, I I don't know. Part of part of my business training, business background says, you know, no matter what industry you're in, having a monopoly is never a good thing. You've always got to have competition to drive right. accountability and to drive performance. Well, you're the biggest and in 12 states, right? We are. Eight. So what does that mean? Has it, has it helped you with negotiations? In the states, your biggest, uh, I assume Oklahoma we'll is one of the ones your biggest. You'll see when you yes. start. Yeah, we'll see. Because a lot is a lot of that regional, or is a lot of it nationwide? Is it a lot of nationwide contracts, a lot of regional contracts? And and, and I think that's the key. Um, I believe that regional strength is what moves the needle faster 
uh, I don't believe that you're going to find a national solution that gives you as great a uh, an impact to reimbursement quickly. Um, I want to make sure that, again, when I'm talking about regional impact, I'm talking about not just relationships with PBMs, but looking past that, looking into the employer sector, yep. looking into the health plan sector. And my my 14-year background with health plans, uh, I think, helps that conversation because I understand um, the concerns and constraints that health plans have. And, and um, I think, you know, that gives me a unique ability to find the right answer to bring the two worlds together. You know, you don't always have to fight providers. Mm-hmm. You, health plans need providers to deliver the service and it doesn't always have to be a fight. Right. Um, we can, we can find a way to work together collaboratively, reimburse providers fairly uh, and, um, and, and deliver what ultimately should be the number one goal for everybody involved. And that is how do we improve patient outcomes? So um, of the of the eight states that you've kind of you're kind of dominating in, is there any desire to expand? We're in all fifty states. Okay. okay. But eight of the eight states were the largest PSAO right out of the gate. And then an additional twelve were the second largest. So we're number one, number two in twenty of the fifty states, but we are nationwide. We do have pharmacy clients all across the country. Um, and, uh, I am looking, like I said, looking for the right contracting strategies to support all of our clients, regardless of where they're located. But I want to do it in a way that makes sense to what they are facing in their own communities. Mm -hmm. And and I kind of hear you saying that, you know, you're thinking about your growth on a, on a statewide basis to where you can provide the most benefit, but what do you see? 4,500 now, what's, what's a good size? What do you think if you, you go on your mind, Hey, if we reach this, I think I can I can achieve my dreams for our members. What what is what is this? Well, you know, and, and I don't know how to say this without you probably ended up having to edit this out. But <laughs> there's the overall warning. size doesn't matter. It does not matter. What you need truly is regional and and focused support and strength. Okay. And if we can do that, if we can replicate that in communities all across the country, then naturally we're going to grow on a national presence level. But uh, most empl- think about it, most employers who are purchasing healthcare and, and buying services from a PBM either do it directly because they're large enough or through a health plan uh, right. that they have, have outsourced to. Mm-hmm. So health plans like the national network approach, just because they can, you know, check a box on a marketing slip that says we have national nationwide coverage for prescription care. But what they really prefer is how to move the dial for this, the, the most of, of their population. And when you look at health plan enrollments, those health plan enrollments are very uh, regionalized as well. Um, and so you need strength where the most of, majority of their patients reside so right. that you can do things like patient outcomes programs and, and performance improvement and, you know, meds to beds. How do you how do you deal with just the discharge of patients back into the community? You need a, your pharmacist on board to make sure that they're looking at those discharge orders and making sure they're doing reconciliation and medication because prescriptions change with every hospitalization and, and, and how do you do that with a national network? 
you can't get everybody uh, involved in that. You've got to have very specific local or regional uh, providers that have the skill sets to do that. Have you thought about um, direct to employer? Absolutely. In fact, when, um, you know, when I was back in my Mays drugstore days, that's, that's really how this got started, right? We, uh, Mays drugstores did contracts with community pharmacy to then turn around and offer a provider network to community care HMO. Mm-hmm. And for years, it was an independent led pharmacy network in Oklahoma. Um, you know, the HMO was in Oklahoma. All of the patients were in Oklahoma. We used a wrap network for the travelers or for the college kids, but um, you know, all of the membership was in Oklahoma. And so we didn't have contracts early on with, with uh, CVS and Walgreens. It was truly an independent network and it worked beautifully um, for, you know, for several years uh, without the chains involved. And so I know I've been part of um, farm, uh, pharmacy network financing under a capitation program um, that worked and it worked uh, very well. Um, and so I, I think there are ways to replicate, to get, you know, take some of the old tools, refresh them, bring in some new, uh, bring in some new thoughts about uh, you know, being a little bit more creative in the financing side and, uh, you know, trying to take the same, you know, because health plans will always tell you there's one pie of money. How we divvy up that money uh, is, is where, where it's important, right? Because they have premiums and all the underwriting things that they go through to create that pie of premium. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do you take that pharmacy wedge out of this pie and, um, you know, redistribute that between product and clinical? You may need to get a little, you know, they may need to understand that the pie, the pharmacy wedge of the pie needs to grow a little because we're going to do things to, you know, lower rehospitalizations, lower your emergency room uh, costs. So maybe you need to take a little bit more, make the pharmacy pie wedge bigger, but don't spend it all on dispensing. Right. Um, We've got to get more creative. Spend some directly on clinical. Correct. And do y'all have some programs working toward that? Trying to get the PBMs to spend, really, I guess that's the payer, not the PBM. That's correct. Um, And, and, uh, you know, it's no secret, uh, I believe that, you know, PBMs are middlemen to this that have uh, brought, um, you know, I don't think they've brought as much value as they have price or cost to this equation. And so, um, again, I think it's important to find how providers who are actually delivering the service are compensated fairly for it and are held to um, performance goals and performance metrics to show that, you know, when you're engaging your community pharmacist in this process and you build that triangle of healthcare between the physician, the patient and the pharmacist, that's where you start making a difference in cost. You take yep. your uh, patients who are on, you know, 10 plus medications. You have pharmaceutical consulting that goes on on a regular basis to make sure that patients are taking that therapy correctly or perhaps you've got many physicians that are involved in the prescribing equation for that one patient that aren't communicating well. That pharmacist can be that communication bridge. Yep. But they can't do it if they're relying on the margins that come from traditional dispensing. Right. You got to get paid there for has that clinical. Got to be clinical revenue for that service. And quite honestly, 
they are the unique provider that has had the proper clinical training to really be able to evaluate medication therapy and help physicians make better choices with the drugs that are being prescribed. Doctors should be diagnosing. Pharmacists should be choosing the products. Absolutely. What um, are y'all working with CPSN? You doing anything in coordination with them? We are. In fact, um, CPSN, uh, Align RX has the RX Select CPSN network here in Oklahoma. Okay. And we are one of the largest uh, networks uh, participating in that CPSN uh, program. Fantastic. I believe very strongly in what that program is, is nice. uh, mm-hmm. doing. And um, I, I, I will do everything I can to make sure that that stays successful and, and grows. Yeah, because yeah, I think 3,500 there needs to be bigger. Yeah, we're so. huge mm-hmm. CPSN advocates. Well, yes. if, if, if pharmacy, independent pharmacy, clinical pharmacy, if clinical pharmacy succeeds, right, mm-hmm. CPSN will have had a role in it. Yep. And Oh, yes. Period. And it's not if, it's, it's when. Yeah, it's And it's uh, CPSN didn't have a role. They were... They were a catalyst and and should be recognized for that. Absolutely. Well, do you do anything to try to encourage more of your members to be part of CPSN? I mean, you have 4,500. They have 3,500. Imagine the crossover is about 1,000 or so. (laughs) Well, that's the – and that's the challenge, and that's something that I need to sit down and talk through with the leaders of CPSN to make sure they understand – I now have a, a, a unique opportunity to bring to them. You know, CPSN, the strength of that is that they are so very focused on local network control. Yep. So CPSN Iowa, CPSN, you know, they're all state-based. Right. Uh, ARC Select CPSN is the only PSAO-driven uh, CPSN network. We are unique among okay. all of the other partners that we work with. And so I want to make sure that I'm respecting that local network line, right? Gotcha. I don't want to do anything that um, that impacts the the wonderful work in Missouri and Iowa, and, mm-hmm. and you know there are some states that are really knocking it out of the park. Um, you know, Oklahoma was one of the the what four or five states that were selected to be part of the COVID vaccine rollout earlier yep. in the year, and uh, we did some really cool things with that. Um, I was part of a group of folks that we pulled together to actually run a vaccine clinic through the corporate offices here uh, at PPOK. Uh, Interesting. And, uh, you know, we vaccinated 3,500 people in in this community coming through this program. And so it was very rewarding to let PSAO employees be involved in this clinic because they actually got to to experience firsthand the joy of uh, patient care. And these were elderly people coming in and, and uh, at risk, infirm, if you remember that very first Yeah, we're seeing a lot of new people in independent pharmacy that we've never seen yeah. there before. Yeah, and it's it's spectacular and it's rewarding. And and uh, I know my staff would come to me and you know, they, they actually thanked me. They're like, thank you so much for letting us participate in this. Um, they had people yep. crying tears of joy. Thank you so much for helping us get vaccinated and and it was just it was a very moving and rewarding experience. Yeah, yeah. There's the 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 George um, lives in uh, has a house up in Whitefish, and I guess his son was there, and he was like, "Son, we're going to go get vaccinated." He was like, "Dad, I don't know." He's like, "Son, we're going to go get vaccinated," and, <laughs> and so he uh, he started off with a Walgreens because 
Uh, I think his son's from Dallas uh, or maybe Tennessee is where he actually lives. He was up there staying with him. Maybe he was in Tennessee. And he knew that he could, was hoping his second shot he get somewhere else like that. But they went into the local Walgreens. They're like, uh, no, we, we're not going to have any till next week. And uh, we don't have any appointment till next week and all this stuff. And they walked down the street in the independent and they're like, oh yeah, no problem. Roy Sleeva, let's get this, let's get this That's done. Right. Yeah. So, uh, it, it very, very interesting. And, and multiple success stories like that. Um, I have my own with my grandmother. She just, you know, walk into a chain and they're like, well, you have to go online and register and fill out a paperwork. But however, this, because it's a really tiny town, um, the pharmacist actually stopped her because he knew her. And he's like, no, 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 you're not leaving. I'm, sh- I'm giving you a shot right now. So it's, nice. it's those success stories that are like, yes, we need more pharmacists out there like that. We need... We need more pharmacies out there that's really that's really willing to put aside the paperwork and really focus on the patient. Yep, correct. So, so you that's said you're at PPOK headquarters now. Does does PPOK still have an interest in AlignRx? They do. Okay, they are they are fifty percent owner in AlignRx, and RTA is fifty percent owner in AlignRx. Ooh, the fifty fifty. But neither, neither. <laughs> yeah. But and 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 that's why I laugh. I'm like, okay, and they unanimously chose me to lead this organization. Well, let's let's see, let's see how this is going to work. Because uh, surely there's some I, super voter on one side or the other. Because fifty fifty doesn't always work out very well. <laughs> we have the appropriate level of board uh, guiding principles, guiding documents, and and operating Keep agreements. That going. So yeah, yes. So so those, P- those so again, things. PPOK is the half, and Arite is half owner. Is that? I'm never going to say that right, I guess. That's okay. I need a phonetic spelling or I need a little (laughs) recording, you know, it's just going to say, I'll just, just, just play a recording. Um, Actually, now all you have to do is remember a line RX and that's a whole lot easier. That's right. It is certainly easier to say. I I don't know where the other one came from. So, so do they do anything else besides own half of this? I I guess that's kind of the merger because PPOK has other stuff they do, right? Absolutely. PPOK is in other lines of business and will continue to focus on uh, community pharmacy solutions that are non-PSA related. Uh, and, um, you know, really, yeah, the PSAO is, is in a beautiful position to, uh, to really develop programs and services to support community pharmacy. Uh, PPOK will continue. You know, they've got a PBM called MaxCare. Uh, that is uh, absolutely uh, transparent uh, model PBM. Believe strongly in that, uh, and they have RxLink, a, a data aggregator switch provider, uh, to make sure that uh, pharmacies retain control over their data, which is is critical. Um, and then Arate, uh, they actually uh, don't have a different line of business, and uh, will be um, shutting down PSA operations when the you know as soon as this. Uh, consolidation of the actual processes and things is complete. Nice. So. so what about your husband? Is he as passionate about pharmacy as you are? You know, I, um, I married a, a gentleman that uh, is a cross between Paul Bunyan and Grizzly Adams. Uh-oh. Okay. And that so, cool. uh, he's, he's truly, truly a throwback to, uh, to, you know, I wish all, all, all men would, would be more like him, you know, a fair, uh, honest, trustworthy protector, uh, but he's a good old country boy. And so he, he only tolerates a portion of, of what, what I do, what I take, what I say, what I talk about. Um, he knows, he loves the fact that, that, uh, I am who I am and that I'm a fighter for, 
uh, for the underdog. I've always been that way. My mom, nice. when I was a kid, would always tell me every little lost puppy follows you home, Melanie, and you have to <laughs> fix it. And I'm like, yes, yes, I do. Um, but, uh, you know, he's a great man because he lets me be me and uh, do what I need to do. And uh, it takes a lot of time and effort and hours. And he has never once complained. And we have been married. Uh, it'll be 27 years in March that we've oh, been congrats. married. Wow. So, congratulations. Um, Children. Yeah. He ha- he was actually my second marriage, and so he had two children with his first wife. I had two children with my first husband, and uh, I guess the Lord knew what he was doing, but we didn't have any uh, of our own. Uh, well, that's they're nice. all grown, yeah, grown. Any any of them in the pharmacy industry or? No, no. Um, uh, they all, you know. Thankfully, did what their passions right uh, okay where they where it drove drove them to so yeah nice it's always nice to have an, an extended family I mean blood isn't everything um I mean I've got people in my life that are that are not blood and they're very valuable valuable to me so yes. well and and my relationships like my best friend I have had for forty uh, literally forty one years now. Uh, and so I, I'm just one of those people that if I gel with you that way, um, we may not talk every day. It may be two years between times we talk, but, um, you know, if you need something, you know, you can call me no matter, no matter what time, day, whatever's going on. If I have the power to help you, I absolutely will. So uh, I just, I love people. Um, uh, so did your kids so, stay in Oklahoma? Are they nearby? I, my oldest daughter is in Philadelphia. Wow. And, okay. Uh, my youngest daughter Ring is that Liberty Bell. She went to Liberty. Yeah. She went, she's, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I have to ask because it's on my notes and I'm curious now. Um, <laughs> you checking off a list? I'm checking curious list. because I, I looked and I couldn't find it. Um, so apparently last year on Facebook, you posted a photo and the teaser was $500 prize to guess what my husband and I are working on. Did anybody <laughs> guess it? Yes. So what was it? Um, my husband is, is, is a little bit older in age than I am. And so he's been retired, uh, since 2011. Uh, and so, um, one of our dreams has always been when we get to a point where we decide it's time to find, uh, the right home for us to, to retire in together. We want to do that at the lake, uh, again, the, he's got to hunt, he's got to fish, he's got to be outside, uh, no matter what season of the year it is. He's he's an outdoors guy, and and I love that about him. Mm-hmm. And so um, my best friend talked me into buying the lot uh, next to her at the lake. She's already built an, a home down there, and she's living there full time. And uh, so uh, that's what that's what our little project was: is that we decided to build a little little retirement home down there. Uh, on the lake so that we could, you know. So are y'all designing it? Have you built it? Are you living in it? No, no, no. I'm still living here in Oklahoma city. Um, we still have our, our home here. Um, we're in the process of building it now. Okay. Um, and it's just, you know, uh, little by little, little by little, it'll, it'll get there. Nice. Fun. Hopefully y'all didn't get caught up in the whole, uh, expensive lumber. Yeah. Fiasco. You know, Again, thankful that I um, have friends and family in in the construction 
business. And so they were yelling, you know, they were feeding me information well ahead of time saying, you need to buy this now. It's the price is about to, you know, double. Uh, and so I was able to kind of navigate some of that and prepay for, uh, for some things that, uh, it kept my costs uh, from Dublin. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, it's crazy what things went up to. I'm yeah. Glad yeah. I wasn't trying to build a house or move. Oh, or, I know. Yeah. I mean, especially just moving because everybody's moving from California and New York and they're coming south um, or they're going to Billings. Um, mm-hmm. um, and I think Florida, I also heard, got a kind of jumped in population. Yeah, I don't know. We just got back from Billings and there was definitely, yeah, definitely some people from there. Matter of fact, the uh, one of the places we ate at the the lady and her husband had moved from New York, so they had been uh, in the uh, hospitality deal in New York. And when this happened, they they moved to Billings, Montana. Mm-hmm. They have two kids. Uh, one of the they're they're young. One of them is in um, outdoor preschool. So in Montana, they have outdoor preschool. Mm-hmm. So wow. the only inside they have is a yurt. So I guess you can get out of the weather for a moment, but, mm-hmm. um, you count trees, you count bugs, mm-hmm. you got, it's, it's outside. Uh, we were yeah, saying that, you that should, you should rename little... it a uh, free range preschool, right? <laughs> I have a, I have a free range child. I think, don't you have a, you have a, I have a, my front doormat. Um, when you come on my front porch, it says caution, free range children. children. Yeah. But what, a, what nice. an interesting idea. I, I remember uh, my daughter going into preschool was like, dad, it's hard. I have to stand still. I think she'd have been fine. She'd have been, we have to be quiet. She'd have been fine. Yeah. She'd have been fine running around counting trees and, and, uh, looking at bugs and learning about the way, I guess they read outside. I know though. I told my wife that and she's like, it gets cold in Montana, but I guess they just bundle up. I mean, I've stayed outside all day skiing. So imagine that training children, how to survive in the elements. Yeah, imagine that. That's, that's practically to me, that is unheard a, that's a of. Yeah, these no, days. it's super, super interesting. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, I should start it is a franchise. Priceless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a great if idea! My, if my husband and I would have had a child, that would have been a perfect place for that. Have been perfect because uh, you have a free range yes. husband. It sounds like I do very <laughs> much so. Yeah. I do very, very yeah. accurate. Okay. Uh, perfect yeah. label. Yeah. Well, Melanie, um, we're running out of time. Just wanted to uh, end it saying thank you Learned for so much. spending some time with us. Yeah, learned some really cool stuff. Really great hour. Let us know if we can help you. So uh, super uh, glad you guys are doing what you're doing. I think we needed a bigger PSAO. And um, I think there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of opportunities for technology. Be very curious to find out. One of the follow-ups out to see is how many of our customers, how, how many Pioneer Systems that you actually have out there. Uh, we have probably about Oh, 20, I've got so many notes to follow the, up with her after this. Of the market, but I'd be interested to see how that skews one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you that we have a significant number of shared clients. Yes, we do. Well, let's mm-hmm. let's figure out a way to help them. So they need all the help they I'm can get. I'm all for that. Well, thank you and thank you. look thank forward you to seeing you again. Money. Take care. All right. Bye. Enjoy your week. Thank you for watching the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more pharmacy professionals like you.